Hi, this is Joel Applebaum, the Chief Content Officer at ERMI. And for over 40 years, ERMI has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals. This podcast will explore not having GL coverage for losses on borrowed equipment and can apply to a job site or your farm. If you have questions about how to get coverage for borrowed equipment after this 15-minute snap talk by Walt Eisler of Parker, Smith & Feek, come to ermy.com for authoritative and unbiased answers. Okay, uh, well, thank you very much for coming. Uh, The topic today I I wanted to address and um, just uh, chat with you all uh, about is uh, the kind of very commonplace um, exposure, if you will, that goes on on job sites all the time in that uh, it is not unusual for people to loan equipment to someone else uh, for purposes of expediency or just uh, keeping costs down or whatever it might be. You know, I have a forklift, I have a man lift, I have some, you know, scissor lift, whatever it is. But it could even be bigger equipment, uh, you know, in some cases, uh, excavators or some cranes or something where you own it or you've rented it and someone else needs it and uh, you give it to them to accomplish some work. Sounds very simple, but uh, that's uh, usually a warning sign that things can actually go a little bit wrong. So anyway, um, the first thing is, is generally we think that if I loan someone a piece of equipment or anything that I own and it comes back to me mangled, smashed up, disappeared, gone or whatever, well, you should take care of it for me, right? That's, uh, I think most people would have that attitude. And if you loaned it or borrowed it, uh, if I loaned it to you, and you or you borrowed it for me, you probably uh, feel responsible for it and would want to uh, take care of that. Uh, but we can talk about some, in some cases, we're talking about some pretty large pieces of equipment and some fairly large dollar amounts. Even a forklift, for example, I had a client who flipped over a forklift. They borrowed, a general contractor borrowed a forklift from a masonry contractor and uh, I think a hydraulic line bust and they flipped it. Probably weren't operating it correctly. Uh, but that was about a thirty-five to $40,000 loss right there. Um, so not jump, not jump change. The thing is, is you can't rely on your general liability policy to pay that. Typically, we pay for damages to other people's property through the general liability policy. Uh, but in this case, we can't. Why not? Because uh, the general liability policy has built within it this exclusion called care, custody, and control. So anytime that you have equipment of someone else's or property of someone else's that you are operating, you're storing, you, you've generally taken a responsibility for it, if you will, uh, the general liability policy, should you turn in a, a claim for damages of it, go back to my forklift, um, the adjuster is going to take a look at that and find out the facts of the case and basically say, you know, I'm sorry that item was in your care, custody, and control, and therefore your general liability policy is not going to respond to that loss. Okay. So um, the thing then is, okay, what do we do at that point in time? Well, I think it's important that uh, you know your own property coverages. If you can't get coverage under a third party liability policy, such as your general liability, where can we go? Well, we go to our first party policies or a property policy. Um, the first thing uh, that I would absolutely recommend that you look for and maybe hopefully have in your in your policy is coverage for borrowed equipment. If you look at most property coverages these days, it'll have in there a coverage for 
obviously equipment that you own or the term might be scheduled, meaning it's listed on your policy. There might be coverage also for unlisted equipment or miscellaneous. Usually it's smaller value items that uh, is too difficult to keep track of. And the underwriter is willing to put out a kind of a lower limit uh, for that, for miscellaneous tools and equipment. Um, but there's, there's owned, there's miscellaneous, but it's still owned. Uh, then there'd be something typically in there for something that you uh, are renting. So rental equipment, there'd be a, a limit there for that. There may or may not be something for borrowed. Okay? And so policies may or may not include that. Uh, if, if you don't have it, you should look for it. Um, and you can request and ask that from the underwriter to include that kind of, of coverage. Uh, so I talked about loan equipment. Um, <clears throat> Rental agreements, uh, you have to, another thing that I also want to input about this is if you are renting an item, okay, um, be very careful with your rental agreement that you sign to make sure that, number one, if, if you're like purchasing insurance off the rental company, I know it's not typically standard, but if you are, if, they're, if it's being insured through them, there may be a limitation on the rental agreement with the rental company as to whether or not you can actually loan that piece of equipment out. Okay? So that's something that could wipe out the coverage there that you're thinking that you might have. Okay? So going back, if you have damaged equipment um, and you're looking for coverage, the general liability policy says no. You can look to your own property policy and it may or may not have the coverage in there depending on whether or not uh, the policy language and what it states. And it could also be impacted by your rental agreement if that happens to be not an own piece of, pro uh, own piece of property, but something that you, that you happen to be renting from someone else, okay? Uh, so what can you do to better protect yourself if the policy language uh, doesn't line up? Okay, so first of all, I would say if you are borrowing a piece of equipment, you know, I would recommend if you can, Borrow it with the guy that's operating it, you know, and say, hey, can, can uh, he come along with it? Okay, so because in that case, then it's not in your care, custody, and control, and you don't have to worry about a general liability exclusion. Okay, um, if something that you did out there on the job site still causes some damage to it, the fact that he's operating the piece of equipment doesn't put in your care, custody, control, and then general liability policy potentially could respond to a loss depending upon what happened, okay? If it's something that he does in the operating of it, then of course um, uh, it's still uh, in his con control and therefore his property policy is gonna pick up that coverage, okay? Uh, use, a, use a rental agreement. I know for maybe a, just a very quick, brief, hey, can I borrow that for just very, very brief that, you know, rental agreement process is not something that um, actually uh, is, is probably very feasible. But in the event you want to rent something for a, a little more defined period of time, or uh, excuse me, not rent something, but borrow something for a little more uh, defined period of time, maybe I need uh, use of the man lift for a week, or I'm going to periodically going to need it while I'm there on the job. Uh, my, agree, my thought process, both from the loaner standpoint and the borrower standpoint, is put it in some sort of a, a brief agreement that kind of outlays who's insuring that, okay? Um, and how that's gonna be taken. Because 
If you, you can go one or two ways. If I borrow it and the person who's loaning it to me wants to uh, have that piece of equipment covered by me, then great. Now I'm not borrowing it anymore, I'm renting it. So therefore my property policy, my in the marine construction equipment policy is most likely gonna pick that up. Okay? If for some reason uh, I don't have that coverage available to me and um, <clears throat> you're loaning it to me, then I can say, you know, uh, you can agree in the rental agreement that uh, the loaner, uh, the person loaning the piece of equipment is still gonna carry the coverage even if I happen to damage it. Okay. Then the important thing is to get a waiver of subrogation so that their insurance company doesn't come back against me because I don't have the coverage for it, right? So that's, that's the other piece on, it, on the rental agreement is it delineates who is going to be responsible for the coverage and there should be a waiver of subrogation so that the insurance company then does not come back against the party who doesn't have the uh, insurance coverage in the first place. Okay. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, a specific example that I thought uh, might catch your all's attention. Um, this is a bit of a case study, and it has its roots in uh, actual real life. <laughs> so I think it's what got me uh, a number of years ago thinking about this. All right, so I had a situation, or we had a situation where a subcontractor uh, agreed to operate a tower crane for the general contractor on a job. So the subcontractor in and of itself does not own the tower crane. So the general contractor is putting up a building. One of the subcontractors has people capable of operating a tower crane. The general contractor rented this tower crane from a rental company. So the contract with the general contractor is with the rental company to ensure that, okay? So presumably the rental company, uh, when they loaned that crane and, and it was erected, you know, the general contractor had to show proof of insurance for that tower crane, okay, to the rental company, property insurance, okay. Then they turned around, the general contractor turned around, and one of the subcontractors, they said, if you, uh, bring them on board and, uh, and run the crane. The subcon where things went a little awry in this particular case is the subcontractor had a, had a contract to do a particular job out there, in this case, it was uh, pouring the concrete post-tension as it went up, okay? They were not contracted. There was no separate contract that was ever put in place for operating the tower crane. Therefore, there was no delineation as to who was responsible for that tower crane should it get damaged, okay? So inevitably, uh, <clears throat> every time there's a hole or something contractually, there seems to be a loss that tends to find it. Uh, so what happened was a uh, tower crane uh, guy was up there, he was operating it, <clears throat> something went a little wrong, cut off the power uh, incorrectly. The crane started a helicopter in the wind and it struck a, uh, here in the city of Seattle, a power line, okay? And damaged it and knocked out the power to, uh, I don't know, a couple blocks area or something like that. So we have some damage here. So we have some damage uh, to the uh, city of Seattle's power lines. We have some business income loss to folks who lost power to their business for a while. And then we have damage to the tower crane itself. Okay. So the subcontractor, obviously, um, they were operating the, the crane at the time. The damage to the businesses for loss of income, the damage to the uh, Seattle power lines, that was taken care of by what? General liability policy, 
Okay, that was property damage to third parties, and that was taken care of. Unfortunately, we get to the crane. The crane had to be dismantled because there's a lot of concern about cranes being damaged. It had to be dismantled, inspected, and a different crane brought up. So there's a lot of money involved just in the course of doing that. And in addition to that, the rental company who owned the crane, the crane company, said, hey, uh, it's, we had to refurbish this crane, we had to do some work on it to get it back up to specifications, and therefore I couldn't rent it out for a while, so there was loss of rents in addition to that. When all said and done, we're talking well into the six figures for this particular loss. Okay? So it goes again back to the general liability policy of that subcontractor, and wham, we ran right into a problem for the care, custody, and control exclusion because while that crane was being operated by them, it was in their care, custody, and control. There had been no agreement addressing who insured that tower crane. Now, the, the general contractor has insurance for this tower crane, okay, because they had it on the property policy. Two problems for the subcontractor, though. Number one, there's a, a general business uh, worry, right? Because they want to maintain good relations with the general contractor, and the general contractor is now very unhappy that this has occurred and happens to be coming out of their insurance and not yours. And going back to my original comments when I first started talking, we all kind of feel responsible if we damage something if, it's, if we're the ones kind of doing the work at the time, okay? So there was that uh, issue. The second one is uh, obviously if the property policy of the general contractor pays for this crane, okay? then they have the opportunity to subrogate back against the uh, subcontractor because there's no contract saying there's gonna be a waiver of that subrogation. Okay? So they could go back against the general contractor and again, the general contractor, uh, excuse me, the subcontractor is going to have a coverage problem because okay? he doesn't have anyone that can, any policy in place that can take care of that. And the property policy of the subcontractor, as the other part, didn't include, at that time, borrowed. Okay. So uh, I think ultimately, in the end, um, obviously the, the policies, uh, the general liability policy of the subcontractor paid for the, uh, the third-party damages. The general contractor's property policy paid for um, the... Uh, uh, for the crane damage and all the loss of rents and so forth. But uh, after some negotiation and so forth with the property carrier of the subcontractor, I think they were willing to accept the fact uh, that in some way this was rented. I think it was probably uh, a very wide interpretation uh, after some time went by and a lot of angst. Uh, of the coverage, and they provided some the, the subrogation back. But that's the kind of trouble that potentially you can get into if you're not very careful with that, those kinds of scenarios where you're taking somebody else's property. So, you know, to, to kind of finalize that, I would say, know your own coverages. Be, no, first of all, be aware of the care, custody, and control exclusion that exists when you take someone's property, okay? Two, uh, know what your own coverages say, okay? And then if you don't have the coverage yourself or don't want to take on that risk, even if you do have the coverage, see if you can, you can take care of things contractually with some sort of rental agreement that delineates or makes clear as to who is going to take uh, uh, responsibility for the damage and provides a waiver of subrogation to the adverse party uh, if necessary. 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Find out more information on our free podcast at ermy.com under the My Ermy Online button.